Welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? How you guys doing? I'm back with Alex. I'm excited. We're talking modern this week. It's like the old days. It's like the old days of yore on the MMCast show. I said the Masters of Modern, and it wasn't me making a mistake. I was actually just saying yeah. what we're talking about today, because I'm on my game. I'm, I'm at the top. Yes. I'm hanging out with the big boys. I'm... Like Mahomes. Yeah. P. Mahomes. Like P. Mahomes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so today, uh, we have two guests. Uh, they are the uh, co-hosts of the High Ground MTG YouTube channel. Uh, it is Kyle and Caleb, at Mr. Kai Guy, and at Spiny Mouse on Twitter. Uh, say hi. Say hi. Hello, Hi, everybody. everybody. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Fun to be on this side of the show. I was, I was excited to get you guys on, um, and I was excited at one point to have been your 69th uh, follower on YouTube, yes. which was uh, hype. So, um, so uh, really briefly, can you tell everyone who's watching who you guys are and what kind of content you guys make? Yeah, yeah sure. So we, uh, I'll go ahead, Caleb. <laughs> uh, I knew that was going to happen too. Uh, so yeah, we are a uh, modern uh, YouTube channel. We play modern and only modern, and we play a lot of it. Uh, we like to do spicy brews, and then we also play some meta decks. Uh, mostly Kai Guy plays some meta decks because I'm bad at those. It's true. <laughs> yeah, and and, and and so basically, we kind of got to the point. What 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 started this whole episode happening was. Uh, I just perused uh, MTG Goldfish's uh, most played cards in modern list and noticed that Skyclave Apparition not only was was seeing more play than Uro, but was the most played creature in all of modern. And I was like, that's wild. I need to be I apparently have not been paying attention to what's going on. And so then wanted to find guests to talk about modern, what the metagame looks like right now, what what's going on, why that's true, how Uro is doing, what Luros is doing, uh, and et cetera, et cetera. And then have uh, some experts who played a lot of modern recently come on and, and you guys have uh, launched your channel this year and are doing a lot of cool stuff. So I wanted to get you on finally and, and talk some modern metagame thank you thank you yeah thank you yeah the skyclave thing is is really interesting there's i mean i think the whole modern metagame alex has changed a lot in the last six months to a year yes and mm. so much of it is so heavily dependent on like the power level of the cards that got introduced in the last year was so high it started to just push all of the old things that were really good in our days like of actually competing in modern and like have being exclusively modern most of those things that were really good that are pushed out they're like not really the thing anymore mm. i mean you look at like the most played deck and it's like you know it's like a Bellador guardian blink deck with like Dorian <laughs> and like all the good it's just like all the good cards it's like one of these decks where you look at it you're like everything in here is just amazing there's not a bad card in here and it's all the colors too come on Oh, I was going to say, yeah, ever since I feel like where the spark uh, happened and the power level of modern just in general is just kind of exploded. Decks are playing Planeswalkers with Three Fairy, Karn, the Great Creator. I mean, it just there's a new level and there's a new precedent for what is acceptable in modern and what isn't. And we're kind of seeing that power push come into play nowadays. I was going to say, I feel like uh, in the past, modern has kind of like changed increments. Like you might, you know, your your deck is still a thing in modern, uh, even after all these changes happen. But now it just seems like, well, it's there's a whole new deck. It's not just, you know, the old deck tweaked a little bit. It's this is a whole new thing. And, you know, if you're not on it, then you're out. It feels like the, I feels like a lot of those a lot of those decks though that were good um, have turned into maybe being called something else and maybe they've changed by thirty or forty percent. But a lot of the cards that were essential to those decks being good are still essential in a top tier deck. It's more That's just right. like it's more like after Twin got banned, uh, there was a blue red deck and it was different than the blue red deck that existed before because it had to win a different way. 
and it was maybe 65% of the same cards. But like, if you had been playing twin and, you know, by the time Phoenix came around, you probably had a bunch of those cards, not all of them, but you probably had like, you know, 60% of what you needed to build it. Right. Like, and like, like, like going through the top decks in the format right now, like Tron is still a deck here as much as maybe I don't want it to be. <laughs> uh, Hellion company is like, there's still a collected company combo deck, right? Like that hasn't gone away. That has like efficient hate right. bears, but then also all are good at just attacking on their own. That all like sometimes Oopla win with each other. You have right. uh, a death shadow based deck. Now it's just Rakdos instead of Grixis or Jund, but it's still, there's a death shadow. You know, it looks like, you know, steel, uh, a steel, not steel shapers gift, but basically a affinity esque shell in affinity the form deck, of yeah. in, like a Luros plus, um just a bunch of efficient creatures that are is a little bit more equipment focused is like doing well like there's still these pieces of stuff and not to mention like eldrazi tron death and taxes amulet right. titan right. there's like these powerful cards in modern that like can't be kept down like i don't think primeval titan yeah. will be bad right. until it's banned or a better version of it is printed like a five mana version of it <laughs> um don't don't say that don't put that out there <laughs> at, well, well, the last year i mean Uro is not that far away. <laughs> it's not. It really isn't. Um, and, but then, yeah, like kind of your point. And that's one of the reasons I think we, once COVID happened and, um, and just and on top of what the modern metagame was looking about, kind of pulled to be a little bit more wider focus just because keeping up with what was going on with our day jobs and everything we're doing was just, you know, difficult as where we weren't able to play as almost exclusively paper magic cards. Like my Moto collection is funny because it's like half cards from, like the four times I got into Moto, once was like Zendikar drafting, once was like M13 drafting, and the other one was Return to Ravnica draft. And that's it. So I have like a lot of cards from those three sets and then nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so so it was always just kind of like, okay, well, COVID's happening. What's the best way to do this? But um, and 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 as you said, like the as Ben said, there are a lot of shells that are the same, but on the other hand, there has been so much new stuff that's happened that it's been fascinating kind of just going through these and looking like what's different, what's happened. Yeah, I think, uh, I think to that point, yeah, it's the heart of a lot of those decks have just, they've learned how to keep up. So like burn, for instance, it's kind of turned into that new mono red aggro deck and, you know, Emma Hayashi, another really popular, uh, YouTuber and streamer. He, uh, he's, He's on the leaderboard this season right now with that, but it's super aggressive, super burn centric, you know, those prowess creatures just taking care of business. So, yeah, and and, and like and taking advantage of Obosh, right? Like mono red, like it's interesting how many of these decks are still playing the um, companions when like that was kind of the last big shift to the format of because like kind of since then, like obviously Omnath is doing a lot um here but most of the cards printed since then have not been as insane though i guess like there is a goblin goblin char belcher deck now that exists because of rise of zendikar um, <laughs> yeah oops all spells <laughs> yeah, yeah that deck's, that deck's good and that deck i mean that's one of those decks too that i think players had tried to make belcher work for a long time in modern prior mm -hmm. to this there had been like mm -hmm. versions of that deck that had kind of coming and now like obviously the printing of this was just like yeah that's this is a deck that's going to exist like this is 100 percent going to happen now i definitely have a like an M hashtag m2g finance stack somewhere in this room with me <laughs> this thick of the the green reveal it from your hand make a green yeah, mana yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like, i have like maybe 50 foils and 50 non-foils just because i like bought out seg when it like did that deck like someone posted a video online that like oh this could happen and so i was like oh that's like ten, five cents i'll just buy all of those it's like super important and then just like 
has never been worth anything. <laughs> it just sits in a box. At some point, hey, it looks like it looks like the foils are like five bucks. So there you go. You know, oh, I made like a bunch of money on that because <laughs> I bought them for nothing. <laughs> um, cool. MTG Finance hashtag. I'm the bad guy of magic, I guess. Yep. <laughs> so with so, so with modern existing with modern existing at this point exclusively online, um, are you guys noticing? And obviously, so it's interesting, right? Like modern exists pretty much exclusively online, unless you are somewhere where stores are open, but I would say 90% of it's being played online. Then you have historic, which is created to be online, right? Like it's a, it's an online format and on a different platform that a lot of people that were playing modern are now playing. Um, and then there's a lot of discussion about like the fall of paper magic, because it's been so long since most of us have been able to actually, you know, play in person. What's your perception of the modern format now, after going through all this, seeing another digital format and kind of a similar vein rise up, obviously being forced digital, like, do you guys still prioritize it as like your favorite or does it feel like legacy to you now, but like online legacy only? Modern has always been at least my favorite format. Um, you know, kind of got, we started playing like kitchen table and then kind of evolved from there and then started listening to people like you making, you know, modern content. And, you know, I think, I think because it's always been our favorite, that's always been our sole focus. We've been able to kind of dive in and really, you know, this is the only metagame I know. And so, my my paper collection is invested heavily in modern and my digital collection is invested heavily in modern and it's right now too with covid it's so hard to like justify like hey like i want to jump over to historic and like invest there too when you know the economy is yeah. a little bit a little bit harder over there as opposed to moto so and i think modern is really what's keeping moto going like mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's just more opportunity for modern content i think yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, it's an interesting place, right? That modern has basically. Uh, it was such a popular format, and and it almost makes Moto relevant in a way that Moto at this point with Arena probably otherwise wouldn't be. It really oh, does yeah. feel like modern's the thing. It's like modern like, legacy, like, legacy and vintage are like the three reasons, and maybe Cube. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I definitely have like yeah, there are definitely friends. Like Michael is like I only turn on Moto when Holiday Cube is on, but when it's on. <laughs> I don't play any other game, but Holiday Cube on Moto. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess, I guess kind of walk through if you want a little bit of like a purview, how did we get here? Where, where, or like, I guess, I guess more, where are you, how often do you play modern on Moto? Do you do kind of like webcam the way people are doing EDH games now? Do you do modern that way? What are the kind of common ways you're finding the best way to play modern right now is in the world we live in? Yeah, I mean, we play it uh, obviously pretty often for the for the channel, but then also you know just for fun as well on the side. Uh, you know, when do we have time for such things? Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I we found that yeah we've we've also played with some other people like using webcams and stuff, but I think most of it has just been on um, on Moto. We've we tried the paper uh, the paper route over webcams, um, and other people have gotten that to work, and I think that's great. Um, but I think at this point, like because we have Moto, it's to just do it on moto you know right um right. so and you know we're able to like fire up you know discord or google meet or whatever and we're able right. to just kind of talk back and forth while we play with each other it, it's it was our starting a channel was really our way of holding on to that like small town like we want to play at the lgs we want to play modern we went every week and that was taken away from us how do we keep that going because we've been playing together for years you know going yeah. to the local shop so Moto just seemed like the most, the next step, you know? 
the and, most logical and, choice. And do you have any advice? I mean, I have I have something I can bring up, but I, I want to hear if you guys have any first uh, on like for someone who wants to play modern is a paper magic player, uh, kind of just like hasn't played since February because no one can play magic, but like maybe is interested in trying to get in and or get in into moto. Is there do you have kind of any advice as like an easy entree into moto right now or to kind of building a collection to be able to play? I would honestly start off with one of the rental services that are out there um, totally. because you like unless you have a deck that you know you want to play and you've always want you like you always have played that deck um you know and you just want to buy that deck and play that deck um having the rental service is just so nice to just be able to like pop around and you know try out new things i feel like that's also something that's popped up uh with yeah. the surge of people playing more digital magic is rental services which makes it so you don't get stale and you're not having to invest heavy amounts of money you pay a flat fee for a month and then you get x amount of ticks and you get x amount of cards so that's popped up and i think that's helped facilitate the ability to play on like a weekly basis and and, and do For you sure. have a preferred rental or do you have either of you have a preferred or do you have different preferred ones or uh i use card order uh mana traders wow so. we got a battle here i was yep i was using sponsored we i was gonna say i feel like was at the beginning of when when the hell was I using mana traders, Alex? Was I I had an account for a couple months and I played a bunch, so it must have been I must have been playing modern on Moto. That has to be what it was. I think it was when we were but traveling like a, a lot. I, I I had in the UK I was playing with the mana traders account. I think was like when I was messing around with like okay. Uro or not Uro like Arakdos, uh, Claim Fame, um, not Uro. What's the other Elder Giant? Whatever guy's name. Croxa, Croxa, thank oh, you. Oh, yeah. Uh, list that was like really fun and like lightning skeletons and and and, and on Earth. Um, but um, no, what we, we what like the best idea? We need to film a like Mana Traders versus uh, what was the other one? Card card card, card, hoarder. card hoarder like Apple Mac piece. I'm a PC. I'm a Mac commercial oh, yeah. and <laughs> oh, just yeah. like <laughs> these are the advantages. Um, but uh, sweet, yeah. I think I think like I I agree. I think that if you want to get in the modern the rental services were really easy to use. It was something that was definitely, there's a little bit of a, a accounting managerial stuff that like is a weakness of mine, I think going into it, but was something that I figured out pretty easily. Um, and is a way to kind of just try a bunch of stuff out. And like, especially with how the mo- metagame has shifted so much, mm-hmm. it definitely gives you a lot of abilities to try all these new stuff. That's really, really cool. Um, sweet. Right. Now, and it's, yep. Oh, sorry, I was gonna say, and you know, you know that lands are something that's always gonna be relevant. So always, right? Yeah, yeah. Sure. So just knowing like where to invest your first chunks of money, if that is something you know, and they have demos too. I would suggest playing like a demo of Moto if that's more of your pace too, to know that that's something that you like to do. Now, now obviously, watching people yeah. who play it, you know. Yeah, uh, we have watched. It helps you learn the ins and outs. Yeah. And and uh, <laughs> moment to plug. And where can people find you again? <laughs> And high ground MTV. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah. So I think that like getting on the moto now, now if I'm an arena player, say people that just are, are currently have like drunk in the arena Kool-Aid, how easy is it? Do you think to transfer between the two from a like interface perspective? Um, I would say it's going to be, curve. yeah, it's definitely going to be a curve. There's, uh, there's a lot of clunkiness moto that isn't present on arena. Um, there's a lot, you know, I, I, and I honestly, I haven't played a lot of arena, uh, in, in recent months. Um, but, I would uh, say that, yeah, it's, it's like a methodical thing versus like, yeah, everything is kind of auto tapped and everything's really smooth on mm-hmm. arena. Yeah. 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 You're having to do a lot more for yourself, I think, uh, on moto. 
uh, having to kind of manage your own triggers, figure out what's going where and, you know, what's targeting. And uh, I, I know I've lost many a game to misclicks. <laughs> oh, I mean, I got so frustrated trying to play on Moto. Uh, like, that was maybe why my Manitrader's account is no longer live. Because, like, I think I tried it for, like, a couple months and I just was, like, getting so close and then just, like, bombing. And it's like, this is lame. I hate this. I hate I was, like, so angry. I was, like, rage quitting. So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first time you add sticks through your entire turn, you just you want to throw your computer. It's yeah. <laughs> we are definitely both guilty of doing that a couple of times. <laughs> I think I like built. I, I, if I remember correctly, actually, I built the uh, the like doubling season ulti, ulti planeswalker deck. I like tried to come up with my Ooh, own version yes. of this, um, and I like wasn't that good, but it was like cool and interesting. And I think I had like all the ones you'd expect, you know, the Jaces in there, and um, so I, you know, I had Sahili and like Nick, like Nickel Bolas. I think I had like uh, Giant Nickel Bolas because like alting a Giant Nickel Bolas, the turn came down, sounded so fun. <laughs> and course, I think I like played, I played some games, and I like got it to work in this one game. It, like, I was like streaming, I was on camera, and I like didn't know how to actually click through to do all of the like yes search, <laughs> put this into play, and so I like had it, and I like somehow clicked a button that elected to like not search. And I oh, <laughs> on camera, no. I, I like just on camera just lost it. I just I was screaming and yelling. I was like, I'm done. I'm done tonight. I can't do this. I can't do this. And it was like, yeah, it was pretty fun. I think I think I time out on Moto uh, somewhat often purely off of fear. On like every click oh, I yeah. do is so methodical, and I take like an extra mm-hmm. second before I click, and those extra seconds eventually builds up. And I'm not like known to play a deck that's going to not take uh, longer to kill somebody than a regular deck. I'm here for Jund and blue-white control and slowly grinding my opponent into the sand. I think the like the one modern deck I own on Modo is a bad take on Abzan that instead of Tarmogoyfs, because I didn't own them, I used Squadron Hawks and Lingering Souls to just have as many 1-1 flying blocker card draw engines um, with the Liliana Veils that I do own, because I played in... At, I guess I did play in Innistrad. was another format I drafted, but... Um, and it's just like... Oh, right. I just lose because I don't have any time. But I I do think I do think it is there is a way to get good at it. I think I think now having played a decent amount of Moto and a lot of Arena that like Arena has some quality of life things to it. But there are things that are worse, right? Like one thing that like I always have trouble with on Arena is um, uh, like a deck I played that was trying to like combine discontinuity and Uro and just like being able to respond to Uro at the right moment with the end of the turn effect on discontinuity to keep Uro in play on turn five was always like, Oh, if you don't press the right button at the right time on your keyboard. And if you don't even, you have to like know what that is without it really giving context within game, that deck just doesn't work. Where on Moto, everything works intentionally. So I think that does have a lot of benefits, especially for more complicated formats like modern. I also think that like, there's a, I mean, magic's an incredibly complex game, like a, Mm -hmm. like a crazy complex game. And I don't know if you guys watched the Queen's Gambit, but it was just amazing. And and watching it and, and hearing them talk so much about chess and like everything is so figured out. It's all so like you're just doing this thing that I recognize immediately. And it really made me think about the fact that magic like it has so many variables because of the way that things can go on any given turn on any given deck. Like everything you're talking about, Alex, with the triggers on on Moto versus Arena, maintaining priority, like the full control mode on Arena I mean, the difference of sequencing one of those things is that can be the difference between winning and losing often. It's like missing yeah. the one, missing your moment. You know what I mean? Not res- not realizing that you have to respond to this thing when it happens here. It changing the math by one point of damage or one card or something like that is just, that's the game. And like, it's not surprising that there would be multiple programs trying to mimic this thing that is kind of innate to all of us that have played it in paper. 
and it's not going to be automated. It's it can't quite be AI. There's just too many decisions. The decision mm-hmm. tree is like way too big. Yeah. 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 And I think I think you know it just takes some getting used to with the client and, and kind of setting up like your um your stops like I don't know how many times I've played against someone and I can tell they're new because they have a stop set on every single thing uh and they just run out of time because you can't have those stop settings you know so it's just learning that client and learning how to like what do I actually need do I do I need to stop on the upkeep every single turn probably not you know, so it, take that off it's it's kind of a similar thing to like Mac for not to bring Max versus PC. Please, Twitter comments don't <laughs> murder me or do there's YouTube comments. I want to know why are PC, why are Max better than PCs? I need to hear it in the YouTube comments on this video. Uh, I'm going to get murdered by people. <laughs> um, but in, in a similar kind of conversation, I actually don't think uh, Max or PCs are necessarily better than each other. I think they're different. And and the benefits of one mm. are the negatives of that one to the other one. And, and, and the example, and it, I think this is true of a lot of things is versatility and clunkiness versus seamlessness, but lack of versatility, right? It's kind of right. the push and pull where on in a Mac, you everything works all the time. All, all the things are big, bright icons. You know what you're looking at. It's very easy to find things. There's search, like literally like seven different keys on your keyboard, create a different version of search to find what you need and you stumble into it. So you don't like, you can like intuitively find where you need to go, <laughs> where on a PC, that doesn't exist. Like everything is very like bare bones and you have to build stuff to work. But on PC, you ha- can build stuff to work. Like you can have your computer do whatever you want. You can have the background on your computer be an animated GIF. You can have uh, you can build your own PC from scratch and have like every single detail be exactly what you want to be customized to it. And then on a Mac just works forever and it'll eventually break because of obsoleteness, but it won't won't like nothing will slow down on a PC. You have to kind of always be like, oh, this piece is broken. I have to replace this. I have to keep it. And that and to me, Moto and Arena are similar, right? Arena doesn't have as many formats. Uh, this the the ability to kind of go into control mode versus not control mode has its differentiation things. You can just lose to the auto tapper which I've right. done, um, right. but that auto tapper <laughs> makes your life way better. Ninety nine percent of the rest of the time. And right. so like and and the card economy is different right like what you have access to and how you get access to it is a different variable and versus moto which is literally anything you want you can have every card you've ever wanted you can play any format you've ever wanted but to be able to do that there is a much more intentional building of the process that you have access to but you can build it to be your own experience it's also right. fascinating i mean what you just talked about like and again to not make this about mac versus pc but i recently rewatched steve jobs um it's a super solid movie, but watching the way that he talks about design, which I know a lot of that is taken from the actual Steve Jobs, like so much of the way that he discussed and talked and the the whole entire way that you see the, the interface experience of somebody, not just necessarily with technology, but with a game. I mean, we talk about this all the time, Alex at Kess with game design, like same thing when somebody sees it, like how do they perceive this? Do they get it? Like, does this make sense? Does this tell the story that we want the story to be told or do they watch this and sort of scratch their head and go the wrong direction? <laughs> And I mean, that's right. That's how magic is designed. But that's also how the programs you're talking about are designed. Like those big, bright icons. That's how I, that's how I learned to use a computer. You know what I mean? Right. So it's right. hard for me to do it any other way. And I think there are two schools of thought with that sort of thing that obviously it's easier to be more complex when you don't lean into that. But if you're willing to have your audience accept that complexity, then I think, you know, sky's the limit to and, whatever you and want. I right? will comment personally on every comment on this video that says PCs are better than Mac because they're wrong. And I'm here to tell you that. Well, now we've made it about that. So, um, it, it, the algorithm, then <laughs> it's for the algorithm. <laughs> but, 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 okay. So, so getting back to the actual modern, uh, the state of modern, the format as it is right now, which I know we were, we were kind of getting into just a minute ago. Um, yeah. 
let's just really, I think let's start at the top because the right now, if you go to goldfish, the top deck, it's this four color. It's the Sahili, Uro, Omnath, like, you know, Yurion. It's just like this hodgepodge of good stuff cards. And my favorite thing about this deck is that it plays Felidar Guardian and Sahili. And that's like not even, they're not even close to the best cards in the deck. They're like, no. they're like just the, I look at this and I'm like, you could not have that combo in here and the deck would still be just probably almost as good. Sahili and Felidar Guardian are best in decks that are trying to abuse ETBs, right? Like that's that's right. where, where they because then yeah. they're yeah. good on their own. They create mm-hmm. an ETB trigger. And so they're basically flicker wisps <laughs> in half the deck. Yeah. And and when you're using them in that way, you get the advantage. So I guess I guess. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. You guys you guys tell us about the deck because you've actually played against it. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing is, you know. You would think that Omnath, a four-color card, would be difficult to cast. Not in modern, <laughs> I guess. Everybody's playing. Like, it's insane. And just the level of value that you get from all of these ETBs, not to mention, you know, the blinking effect, Soul Herder, and all these other things, mm. Ephemerate, you know? it's. I think when you're playing against it, it's hard to know what access to Tilton to fight against it. Like, do I stop the ETBs? Do I attack the graveyard because Uro is a thing? Like, and then, so it makes it difficult to know how to attack it effectively and get value for like whatever you're playing, you know, because they're just kind of marching to their own. (laughs) It seems like looking at it where I'm just like, they're, I mean, they're playing wall of blossoms and coiling oracles and they're playing birds and they're playing like all, the, all these things that make me feel like trying to aggro these guys out, getting the like, arrows cast all the time. That's not going to happen. So like, what, how one do you beat it? One thing that's funny about this deck is that it is also just like a who's who's of wizards mistakes for the last like 36 <laughs> months <laughs> where it's like you got Teferi time raveler. You got Felidar guardian Sahili Ray. You got Uro. You got Omnath. <laughs> It's like <laughs> Yurion. Yurion's yep. your companion. You got a companion mechanic happening here. Yep. It's like, yep. oof. Uh, even Oath of Nyssa, like you can argue. Um, do we, oh, wait. Do we have – are they playing – they're playing Snow-Covered Lands. Uh, do they play – okay. They are not playing – what's it called? Oh, they are playing Field of the Dead. There it is. I found it. Because yep. <laughs> yep. why wouldn't you play Field of the Dead? You yeah. got Bale Summer in the sideboard. So I say it again? So, yes, yes. Uh, I was going to say, they're playing the new hotness, Skyclave Apparition, this new right. yes, yes. Seneca Rising card that has crept up and is the number one played creature mm-hmm. card in modern. Oh, on a white card at that. Yep. Which Caleb, we, we will get into into I do, detail? I do want to, I want to save that for kind of a whole conversation about that. I do want to okay. kind okay. of go into some of the top decks yeah. first. Um, sure. Because uh, the plan is to try and separate episodes into multiple mini episodes. So this will be oh. we had like the moto conversation and now we're right. having the uh, uh, deck of the format conversation. And then there'll be the Skyclave apparition is now the best card in the format somehow <laughs> conversation. <laughs> so uh, so so what? how do you beat Uro? Yeah, how do you beat Uro? How do you? Uh, you beat them by making sure they never have land. So that's how I've done it so far. Uh I don't know that you can do that in every deck, but uh, that's how I did in my last deck. Uh, played some uh, played some Boros Land Destruction. Uh, just make sure they don't have lands and they can't cast their big bad spells and go from there. I feel like the top decks too, like Heliod combo. Uh, yeah. That's probably another way to just be faster with your combo or yep. be more aggressive, a la Rakdos Death Shadow with big threats, thought seizing mm-hmm. away any kind of, and having removal. So. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. Maybe kind of, we're kind of 
paper scissors almost. Yeah, well, I think if you look at the other decks in the in the metagame, like uh, kind of like you were saying, Alex, um, you do beat it by going faster. All of these decks are going to be faster than the Uro Omnath deck. Uh, Heliod Company can just oops into their combo. Rakdos Death Shadow is Death Shadow. Um, you know, Eladombra's toolbox is is probably like the slowest out of the of the top five, um, but it still can just kill you on turn three or four pretty right. easily. And it's like trying to uh, cast a primeval. Right it's kind of trying to blah, blah 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 blah. It's trying to cast a primeval titan, which is like a going over option if you can't go yep. under. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the deck has multiple win conditions with Field of the Dead and uh yeah, turn That's what has been really insane to see is that Scapeshift is gone, and now there's a cheaper card with Dryad, and everything that you're playing is a mountain now. Yep. Which with no actual also mountains in the deck, you get them with Boil that makes it extra funny. But oh yeah, oh, you nice. know it's funny looking at this. Looking at this Tron deck, which clocks in here, I think at sixth on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the same deck, Alex, that we played back in the day. This is like, this is, I mean, not even back in the day. This is the same deck that you and I were playing against and with like a year ago. It plays yeah, the only difference is Karn, which is like a little. The only, the only big update to Tron for a while has been Karn the Great Creator, which is, was a huge update at one point. And then they banned some cards and now it's a good update. But yeah. All right. Mycosynth Lattice had many of <laughs> yeah. them. I think we're all better. But it's interesting. It's interesting. That, that deck managed to, to survive. I wonder how that deck managed to survive. What What is it about? What is it about that strategy that didn't get so thwarted or updated by all these things people were doing? I guess like turn threeing a Karn is just still really good. <laughs> I yeah. guess like that's just I guess that's just the answer is like it's pretty hard for any of these decks to beat the ability to exile a permanent and be left with a giant threat right I away. Think, I think having the great creator and having a wishboard package too, being able to get out silver bullets for whatever situation you're in. I can't tell you how many times I have stood across like a Karn and they get a Tome Rod's Crypt or a Walking Ballista or any like ensnaring bridge, any number of answers to like what I am trying to do on my board at the moment. And then. So I yeah, think that, that just gives them that extra turn or two just to get the rest of their stuff going to get that seven mana card or to get that Ugin. I think because I, you got that. Yeah, I think I think there's an argument too that Tron has always been and like it's going to be a weird statement, but Tron has always been too powerful for modern, but it's mm-hmm. just so bad against a, a type of deck that it is always rock, paper, scissored out of the format in a way that it's never been problematic. And it's also just extra bad in GP formats and like high, high tournament level play, because so often the decks that are going to win those are the ones that are also bad matchups for Tron that it's like mm-hmm. <clears throat> the only time Tron has become a problem is like when Jund is the best deck and everyone knows Jund is the best deck. So people are playing it and then Tron's like, ha ha you can't <laughs> get wrecked <laughs> but then like yeah getting the extra power level and then it just being very powerful we got is that a kitty or a, oh it is a kitty we got a kitty cam it's a kitty you are it's in the jungle kitty. so this all makes sense right <laughs> um, uh and then so yeah so i it makes sense to me that tron has just always been what it is more than and, and like there's other things like right. helia company which we talked about briefly is a is a company deck like this deck has existed my whole life. It was Birthing Pod, and then Birthing Pod got banned, and three months later, Collected Company was printed, and then the deck came back. Um, right, right, right. It's playing some new spiciness, I, but yeah, I think too, like not underestimating people's like favorite decks. There are people that just love Tron too, and they're gonna play it no matter mm. what. Just like Jun, it's been around. Death, yeah, it's been around for a while. Death and taxes, and that not like there's just always going to be format staples, and they'll ebb and flow. Um, I would say Tron was actually pretty bad a few weeks ago when Cleansing Wildfire was printed and everybody was testing <laughs> that. Crazy, you know, so. 
Well, there's also there's also like a conversation of like, and we've always said this on the podcast, which is it is better to be good at your deck and to know how it plays to its best ability than to be playing the best deck. Um, mm-hmm. And almost nine times out of ten, because nine hundred players out of a thousand are not good enough to be <laughs> like able to just pick up a modern deck and spike a pro tour or a GP with it, right? Like that. There there are those players, and yeah. and, and but like. More often than not, your chance of success is going to be like, oh, I am the best Merfolk player. I play Merfolk every right. GP and I just happened to match up right this GP and now I've won it because then that's happened. Like every Merfolk player that you see wins a GP, they're not the player who random like picked their deck up because they thought it was good that weekend. They played it because that's their jam and they've yeah. been playing Merfolk yeah, in every GP they've ever been to. Then they're maybe the but professor. No. <laughs> Now it looks like there's a it looks like there's an is it control deck with the Kiki Jiki Deceiver Eggs Arc combo here that's not high high on the list but it's definitely in the top it looks like the top fifteen most played decks mm-hmm. um, that yeah, was like pretty like yeah that had been lost for a long time people were not doing the Kiki Jiki version of that deck it always seemed like it was too slow and I wonder why I wonder if it's because the value at the top there is so powerful that it's an interactive way to set up a win condition while still interacting because otherwise mm-hmm. so much of what you're doing it feels like with a control deck is like you're trying to like eat your way, you know, dink and dunk sweepers, counter spells into like taking over. But these decks are playing so many redundant, resilient cards that are valuable in your hand on the battlefield in the graveyard. Like I think about all the cards in that top deck, and it's like if you just draw an Uro or an Omnath after I've dealt with all of your things, and I'm not putting a fast enough clock on you, that card alone might be good enough to just get you back in the game because like those cards are so good. It's kind of that way with so many of the cards in modern now. It's interesting to think that a blue-red deck that maybe doesn't have the the fastest win condition but is able to remove and counter and bounce and then as soon as you feel like you're in the right position, stick your Kiki and win the game. Maybe that's why that's good now, Uh, but obviously not good enough to be top-top. But it is interesting to think about. This this, this is a control deck is really interesting too because it's not... It's only playing three islands and it's got two boils on the sideboard. Mm -hmm. So... Looking at like if you're up against Uro and they're playing a bunch of islands and new tech too with like the Fliplands playing Valakid Awakening, you know, so being able to dig a little bit deeper in your deck to find what you need for mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. combo also helps. Yeah. So uh, so yeah. how much how much would you say the new Flipland spell lands? Not the Fliplands because those are obviously very 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 a powerful. Thing, but yeah. the the tap land on one side spell on the other side lands have have influenced the format since the release. Not as much as I thought they were going to. Um, yeah. Like you do, you do definitely see them. I think like Last Pool Mimic is probably one of the big ones. Um, that one's the, huge for a lot. Yeah. yeah. The the white one that gains you life has seen a little bit of play, mostly in like uh, Death and Taxes lists and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm actually kind of surprised that they haven't seen more play. Yeah, and then I've seen Valakid Awakening, and then obviously hmm. whatever is recycled into Oops All Spells. Right, I think right, that's right, kind of, yeah, of course. That's been that's the biggest deck that's gained any kind of traction from entering the tap, uh, entering the battlefield tap. So mm-hmm. we yeah we, we we heard we heard from our uh, you know one of the moderators of our group uh, was posting about it and saying like hey you guys should all be paying close attention to this deck right now like this is starting to really do some things this is like really starting to show up um, it's a, it's a cool deck it's interesting I always love decks like that so it's really cool too because it can flip on two sides you can play the Charbelcher version and get them like that. Or you can play with the creatures that exiles mm-hmm. your library, and then you're able to bring back bench vines. Mm-hmm. And then just... Mm-hmm. Like, Sick! And the sort of the well, it, 
it's fun too because like not not every one of these oops all spells decks is even playing charbelcher like if you look at this top list it's not playing charbelcher uh in the 75 um and so you just don't know when you're facing against it. Like, are they going to bring in Char- Charbelcher against me? Should I bring in my stuff for Charbelcher? Or, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. do I just hope that I can hit the graveyard and that'll be good enough? Um, so it, it it's it's a weird one because it does hit on those different angles, but because it's not necessarily, like, set in its build, uh, it's hard to say, like, it's hard to know what to bring in against it, like, in your uh, game soon. I was playing against it on the channel, and it was, like, being able to hit, hit artifacts seemed to help a lot. And then mm-hmm. Mencing mm-hmm. Wildfire also was insanely broken <laughs> just blowing oh, up their sure. lands they're not running any basics pretty good ghost quarter field of ruin another yeah, thing sorry, i yeah. noticed in, in these in these top decks is that two of the top five lists are playing four copies of bomat courier the the red deck is playing it and so is the rakdos deck and mm-hmm. it's interesting because I, I like that card that card was a good and standard i mean i i've always been a fan of it but i definitely know that card's been available for way longer than this new phase of modern. I mean, that's been in modern forever, and that was never that wasn't played in the old mono red decks. That was not like a mainstay. I wonder what it is about that card in this particular format now that is making such an impact. Is it just that these aggro decks just need card advantage, and that's the best version, or like what? What is it? Why is that card showing up? I was gonna say, yeah, I, I think maybe card advantage. Um, I'm also trying to look at the list to see. I don't know how much like removal also, people are playing. Uh, which makes oh, my career better. Oh, sorry. Yeah, and they're also playing Luris in this deck. So being right. able to like recur that from the graveyard as well, and then being mm-hmm. able to recur yeah. card advantage is also another that's way. That's a good point. Yeah, it's a good point. So, so what would you? What What are each of your favorite decks in in the format right now? Like as you play them, what would you? Say? If you like, I guess two questions. What is your favorite to play? If you're trying to have a good night, what would you play? And then tomorrow, if you had to enter a GP and you had unlimited money, what deck would you play? I'm gonna say oh. Caleb go first. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Um, that's tough. Uh, I think, I think honestly, my answer for both is the same. Um, hopefully that's not too boring, but, uh, I, I'm a death and taxes player. Uh, and six, I've six, been playing six. that deck for, for years now. Uh, it every time I, I play it against him. Um, but, uh, I, I love all the different variations of death and taxes. I think if I was going to go to a tournament tomorrow, I would probably play, uh, mono white Eldrazi and taxes. Um, okay, because of the card we're going to talk about later and how good it is in that deck. Kyle, uh, my favorite deck is Blue Moon. Okay. Uh, whatever variation so, of it, <laughs> <laughs> Blue Moon down. Yeah, love love Blue Moon. Uh, and I absolutely adore the Madcap Imperion uh, a combo. That's like my favorite thing to do. Uh, <laughs> but if I was going to a tournament, I don't know. That's a that's a little bit uh, more difficult. I mean, from a competitive standpoint, I I was really digging on humans uh, just a little while ago. I thought that that deck. I'm also a big Aether Vial fan. It's my favorite card in all modern um, mm-hmm. and magic. So Huge fan I of that one myself. Yeah. Indeed. So, so I humans. Know, I, I would say that. Yeah. Okay, humans cool. have enough interaction and enough flexibility, but favorite deck, definitely Blue Moon. Cool, cool, cool. If you get to this part, there are some pets, and they they are both very cute. Oh, there's both of them at the same time right now. This is All great. All the pets. Say hi. All Hans. the pets. What are their names? His name's Han. Dune and Hans. Doom. Yes. Doom like the game, and Hans like the name uh, from Germany. Hans, yes. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I didn't realize that, uh, and I learned this in my Commander Legends sealed, and now I'm forgetting the card name. I have it on my phone. Uh, is oh, the Revenant? That. The Revenant is also a reference to Hans. Like Hans has run into two different 
goif creatures. Oh, yeah, the bunny. yeah, I saw that. I couldn't tell if that was a real card or not. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, it's real. Uh, my, the card I made up was fake above it. I like okay. made the like. Uh, the, yeah, yeah. The... That's why I got confused. I was like, is this a real card referencing Hans? Uh, I tweeted Mark Rosewater once and I was like, is Hans still alive? And he replied, yes. Like he didn't seem they were he was referenced on another card. So, yes, I don't think he I think he isn't alive. I don't think he was murdered on camera, but I believe he's I believe that they're Ice Age era characters. So like both of them are dead. What? Didn't he just get printed? Yeah, but so did like like uh, 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 a bunch of characters like Kamal died. 2000 years ago in story or if not older than that right like some of these characters are 10,000 years old in canon so I think like Hans because like Ice Age was during the it was the response to the Brothers War which was before the Phyrexian invasion which was a thousand to two thousand years ago so like Hans is probably not alive right 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 but he I don't know are are we talking about Hans the real good looking guy with the beard the real that guy Gruber from the from the the, Hans got his own spark and uh, yes, Hans could be an immortal planeswalker or could have made a deal yeah. with a goif. Like he could be like there's someone brought up is like Hans actually like cursed or like is a goif that's like calling other goifs and he doesn't know what well, we don't know. This is all unknown information, <laughs> but he has ran into two goif creatures and has lost two loved ones, his sister and a bunny rabbit to to a revenant and a goif respectively. Alert goif. <laughs> Make a star star goif where star is. Your loyalty on a planeswalker you control. <laughs> there you go. Ooh, sick. You'd have to like pick some... the planeswalker somehow. It'd be like star plus one, but then yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, same, same way. Well, that's yeah. kind of rough because then if they kill the planeswalker, like it's just dead. So would it be it enters with counters equal to the number? That, like... Oh yeah. That's... Well, if, if you if it's still got plus one toughness, you still got the plus one toughness. Yeah, you can still play it in your planeswalker. Yeah, it could be it could be it could be it could be exile a planeswalker in your graveyard. It just has power and toughness to whatever that planeswalker is starting loyalty is. Uh, yeah. Or whatever, or yeah. Convert a mana cost or yeah. whatever. You're if, really it was equal to, it, if it was equal to the starting loyalty of a planeswalker on the battlefield or in your graveyard, um, that feels like a thing you could do, because then you could also like discard a giant like you, you could like discard a giant planeswalker and like cheat it kind of bigger. Like, I don't know, though. I like the idea. Uh, I like the idea because a goif is meant to be variable, right? It's not supposed to be something that can be zero, zero. Like it can die. Many goifs have died when something went to zero. The problem is it has to be in your graveyard. So how do you like maybe it's just like total starting loyalties of all planeswalkers in your graveyard. Like how many times you're going to have like like it'll be like really good in tribal decks, but then make it cost like six and just be like a big thing that only I don't know. It's going to be hard. So if it costs six, it's a, if it costs six, it's a bad card. You can't. You can't. <laughs> well, I mean, it depends if you have like four planeswalkers in your graveyard. That's a 2020. Most planeswalkers come in like with five base loyalty, right? And getting four. Walkers I mean, I'm, I'm going to ask the modern. I'm, I'm going to ask the modern guys here. Would you play a six man a 2020 in any modern deck you play? No. Sure. Uh, you play a six vanilla? Man? Vanilla? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So vanilla? let's 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 get so this. This is a good thought experiment. Okay. So they, I know yeah. the answer to that question is no, and I think Alex <laughs> answered that question. I mean, a twenty twenty with no abilities is a twenty twenty for six. Okay. Yep. What if it was a twenty twenty for first of all five? Nope. Still vanilla. What mm. color? Is it color? Uh, because color doesn't make a difference. It's, it's green. Because if it's like a, it's green and that? or black. It's green and or black. Green and yeah. or black. It's green pips? black. It's, this this version is green black three. It's green black green three. Black. That's the version we're asking. Black three. Okay. Okay. That makes it twenty twenty. Green black. 
I mean, it's a 2020, but it's also vanilla and still dies to like path. <laughs> let's say, uh, let's say, let's say three hybrid. Let's say, let's say, let's say, let's say, let's say, let's say three hybrid green, hybrid green, black. Ooh, that makes it a lot better. Okay. Mm, that, 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 gets, that gets rid of you your, your which deck in the C play in problem. Right. Okay. okay. Right. Right. I mean, you could, you could play that in the ramp deck as like an extra win condition, I guess. Uh, I don't know that they need it. Or would I want mean, it there. Uh, currently, this card, a uh, three green black flying has power and toughness equal to how many cards are in all graveyards exist in modern and C zero play. Yep. I, I think I think the reality <laughs> right, of the like, card like, we're talking <laughs> about is if it's if it's 2020 and it has no and it has no abilities, I think the most that card can cost and players would actually play it zero. is probably three. If it costs three, if it's a three mana 2020, like I think you. I think players would. They would tempt fate by playing a do nothing twenty twenty for three on turn three, and just accept that if it got like paths or whatever. Yeah. So be it. Because because the the cur- like death shadow is based on people playing one mana and two mana ten tens, right? Like that's that's what we're comping. Right. Like they they bend over backwards to make their one mana and two mana ten ten vanilla creatures are worse than yeah. vanilla creatures. Uh, well, playable. honestly, they kind of make it a twenty twenty, right? Like with uh with the double strike spell, like they're essentially getting a twenty twenty. Yes. Even like Scourge of the Skyclave, if, like, they're, if they're playing, I, if they're playing Battle Rage for sure, right? That's what oh, the two, Scourge of the Scourge of the Skyclave is the two drop. I, like one drop is, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, the yeah. Yeah. Death Shadow decks are playing a one and two drop that are ostensibly ten tens ish or yeah. better for one and two mana, right. and they they bend over backwards for those cards. So. Right. Uh, there might be a shadow if it costs three, but I think it would have to. You'd have to put it in something that makes it unblockable or evasive, and you'd really exactly. have to you'd have to find a way. I think yeah. I think a three drop twenty twenty vanilla would see play. I think a four drop twenty twenty vanilla is maybe borderline. <sighs> What's that big one? Not in this modern. No way in this modern. Think about that. That's a that's a format of card that's going to get bounced. By the minus ability on time raveler like it's just such a waste of a turn like it just does nothing well, it does if absolutely if nothing. if you're able to protect it you're and get in with it you win right like it's it's a it's a it's a i win combo so if you're if you a four drop that if you untap with you win no matter what uh, if your deck is built around it is pretty good like people play four drops of that level that like oh if you interact with this yes i don't win by casting this four drop yeah, I mean, it is interesting to think about. I like the the idea that we have just uh, we've just assigned twenty twenty. <laughs> so the idea, okay, what if it was a hundred a hundred for the exact same cost, still no abilities, a hundred hundred power, a hundred toughness for five mana, the same. About what kind of deck you'd play that in? Like if you put that in a vile thing, right? it automatically. <laughs> a lot yeah, I th- yeah, I think I think the hundred hundred problem runs into yeah the fling problem or like I, honestly you would play fling with the twenty twenty deck and it might actually right, exactly. be, or like especially yeah, the yeah. land so fling. That's what I'm saying. The hundred yeah. hundred powers are relevant. Like everything past a certain point is I think, like. I think I think anything over a twenty four. I think any over anything over. In magic, anything over 40 is almost yeah. irrelevant, right? 40 plus is yeah. irrelevant. Anything in yeah. paper magic, non uh, in, in constructed, non multiplayer, 40 life, whatever. Yeah. I think like I mean, anything above really 20 f- right now, and that's a 9999. So, the BFM. yeah, it's a solid, it's a solid point you make. And you said it was a straight face too, which I appreciate. Um, <laughs> like so, a 24, right, I, I derailed this conversation, Alex, by just. <laughs> No, no, no. this is going to be its own segment. I'm, I'm keeping everything we do, and I'm, just, I'm taking notes. Marshall now knows at 54 minutes into this episode, we talk about goifs for some reason and 2020s, <laughs> and that'll be its own video. I have a plan. It's the new, it's the new way of the future, the trick of YouTube algorithms. Also, on this video, please comment with uh, what you think the lowest converted mana cost on a 2020 should be. 
And or, like, I what's, love what's the idea. highest, what's the I highest converted mana cost of a 2020 that you would play in modern? I would love to know. And it has to be green and or black. It can be green and or black. So it could be green and black, green or black and green. But it can't have, but it can't have any ability that like it can't have trample, can't have flying, Correct. can't have unblockable. That's that all that stuff makes it too good. It has to be a vanilla, just yeah, yeah. sweet flavor text. Straight up 2020. Is it creature or is it an artifact creature? As well. uh, I it's would say artifacts would make it better. Yeah, I would say creature. Yeah, artifact would be creature. Yeah. Okay. Artifact is pure upgrade here because there's things okay. yeah. you can do with it that are different. That's right. Uh, <laughs> it should be called. I would, it, it would, I would, it would be called. I would allow. I would allow enchantment creature if you really need it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think enchantment creature makes it worse. Yeah. Uh, this creature would be called poor man's. Yeah, it would be called poor man's merit lage. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's, well, let's, just, let's let's get into the man, segment merit, that I cut you off. Merit lage at cost. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> last section before we before we get into the last conversation I want to have tonight uh, with our wonderful guests. I do want to do some a few shout outs. Thank you a to our patrons. Thank you to the House of Modern. Thank you for all the support you guys give there. It's how this podcast happens. We salute you. Pinky's up. The salute thing is actually a different patron that Ben's a part of that he tricked me. <laughs> With that salute, I was confused. I was dazed. Uh, thank you, guests, for joining. Uh, uh, one shout out before we finish the conversation so they have to listen to it. Where can people find you? Caleb? <laughs> oh, my gosh. The jungle, apparently. <laughs> it is. Yep, I'm in the jungle. Uh, we are on YouTube. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. Uh, all at High Ground MTG. That's right. Join us for daily modern videos. And uh, make sure to follow us at the Uncast on all social media, and me personally at Cast Wiley on all social media, and Ben Bateman Media on all social media, except for Twitch, where he's Ben Bateman streaming. Ben uh, Bateman streaming. You can you can find me at Ben Bateman streaming. Please yeah. hit that like and subscribe button right now, and also check out every Monday night at seven thirty p.m. We do Commander live streams on Twitch and on YouTube again. So we're both places. We decided to just bring it back to what we we're doing before. Uh, so just stay tuned. It's great, and we have a lot of fun. Um, all right. Now, final question of the evening, the thing that I wanted to talk about while we're doing this whole episode, because it's wild to me to just such an extreme level. <laughs> How come we are now living in a world and w- what's the secret behind Skyclave's apparitions rise to the top? For those uh, who don't know, it is a one white, one white, white creature core spirit two two. when Skyclave apparition enters the battlefield, exile up to one target non-land non-token permanent you don't control with converted mana costs four or less when skyclave apparition leaves the battlefield the exile cards owner creates an xx blue illusion creature token where x is the converted mana cost of the exiled card i guess actually before i ask why is it good my real question is did you think this was going to be good when you saw this card during preview season i was we did talk about it uh and i was stoked for this card as soon as i saw it we uh, actually are both very big fans of spirits as a tribe. And yes. so I think that's where our yeah. initial conversation started. I was like, oh, yeah, like, that feels pretty good. And so, as a death, death and taxes player, I was just like, I'm going to blink this for days and it's going to be amazing. So, OK, so, so then and then that yeah. gets to it. What, what 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 how did it get to the top? Why? I mean, obviously, we just went through a bunch of decks earlier in this episode. Mm-hmm. A ton of them were playing it from Heliod combo to the Urion Uro decks yeah. to the mono white uh, infinity like lists. So it's seeing play everywhere. Uh, I would call it a silver bullet, but it's actually kind of more of the golden gun, I think, in modern. Uh, it just literally hits everything. I mean, you know, you look look at the top lists. Um, you know, you have Earl Omnath, um, you have Helid Company, Rakdos Death Shadow. 
of those things um, have maybe one or two cards that won't get hit by uh, Skyclave Apparition. You've got like Titan, you've got Karn. Uh, and that's about it, because everything in Modern is cheap. And so you just have the answer in your deck at all times, because why? you know you don't have to run in the sideboard. You can just run a main board, because it's, it's, at worst, it's a 2-2 for three. Um, but most of the time, it's a 2-2 for three and a removal spell for whatever permanent was causing you to lose the game. And you ultimately, it's kind of that Oko effect, right? Remember when everything was getting elked in mm-hmm. Modern? It's the same yeah. thing that's happening now. Everything's getting illusioned in Modern. Yep. Like, you don't care about the dinky little token that's happening, you know? And yep. so that's why you see it being put into different kinds of shells. So, like, Spirits, uh, Death mm-hmm. Attack, obviously able to take great advantage of this, being able to blink it with Flicker Wisp, you know? anything. I, was, I played a brew with humans, and I was like, this is not that hard to cast in humans. Like, I know it's double white, but... You've got either file. File it in at three, too. It's a creature, so... I think what's interesting about it is that if you, this is one of the, one of the things that for years we've talked about, and it's like, if you're trying to evaluate if something is going to be worth money or something's going to be powerful, one of the first and best things to do is to figure out how many things like this have existed before. How different is this from the things that it's aping, right? Like if this is coming down and it's supposed to feel like other cards that have been printed, is this doing something distinctly different? And it kind of is. There's not a lot of things like this that are doing what it's doing, right? Like it's sort of doing its best impression of some combination of a an Oblivion Ring or you know a Deputy of Detention meets like kind of the the ability of like a Thought Not Seer and the way that Thought Not Seer doesn't give back the thing it takes. And you can right. look at sort of all those different abilities and you can figure out very similar to how like Felidar Guardian when it was printed was like the big thing here that's different about this card is that it's an immediate blink. So this thing comes down and does something that nothing else right now at its cost does. That's why this is good with Planeswalkers or anything else. It took a little while before that card fully 100% became what it is, but now it's played in this top deck. And I think that if you look at this card, Skyclave, like, yeah, obviously, if you can blink this card and get that same ability over and over again, and it says non-token, non-land permanent. It doesn't reference creature. The mm-hmm. thing's gone forever. It's they don't get the thing back. Yep. Like... Well, and, and that's something, like, like to that. bring up to bring up Oko is a good point, right? Like we learned last mm-hmm. year that beast withinning a thing every turn is too good everywhere, too good in every format. Yep. Having yeah, a beast yep. within on a stick is too good. And this A is doing that to one creature, but in a way that's even better because it's more of an O-ring effect that if they then deal with this threat, they 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 uh, get a beast within token that can sometimes be worse. And then on top of that, like all of the... And I'm going to forget all of their names, but they've now printed at least five, if not more, like three mana white creatures that when the end of the battlefield exile thing, O-ring on a creature, right? And like almost yeah, all of hunter them. Feed Hunter or, or yep. uh, yeah, there's a million of them. Yeah. And even even yeah. like even the weird ones like Megara of Condor has seen play in modern and, and like at one right. time yeah. or another. And all of them were just like just close to not good enough because you get the creature back if you're able to answer it. And the creature's abilities are often so much more important than necessarily power and toughness. And the fact that this gets mm-hmm. rid of a thing permanently and then they get a token that you know the elk in in this case is does put it above and beyond what other kind of versions of this things that were already close to good like fiend hunter has seen play in modern right like especially back in the birthing pod days like the the, these things are have seen borderline play and like feldar guardian just that little bit of a difference that makes it a little bit better is enough to make it a card that was fringe to the best card in the format. And and it's really interesting that just has been able to kind of accomplish that. Um, the other thing I think that I wanted to bring up is, is like the Beast Within token in the sense that the, a lot of modern's power is being cheated into play. 
right? Like right. like Goyf or and historically Goyf, Uro, um, even mon- like uh, Monetary Swift Spear, Walking Ballista, Death Shadow. All of these are cards that aren't in their con- like their converted mask and power toughness are not related. And the fact that this focuses on its converted mana cost more than anything else means that they're getting a creature that is just always going to be worse almost yep. 90% yes. right. of the time than whatever they put into play. As opposed to like creatures that you target with like deputy of detention and they get rid of it. If you target a creature with an ETB, because that's the only thing you can do and they blow up your deputy and they get it back and they're able to get an ETB trigger. Like that is value. That is not great value. But right. if it, if you're, if you're playing apparition and they are able to blow it up, you don't care because you've taken care of, they're only going to get value once. So it's automatically like step above that. Yep. Also, I mean, I think- modern is not a modern. It's not a battle that is necessarily won often by like anything between a one, one and a four, four vanilla creature. It's just not like a super common way for the game to, to move really. So them being left with that is sort of irrelevant in a lot of cases. Karmagoyf is sad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, what I was going to say, just really quickly, but I'll, I'll throw it to you here, but just when you talked about um, Deputy, it feels like Deputy is the closest thing that has been printed to this. It was the thing that was sort of doing this before this, because, you know, it, this doesn't reference the same thing that Fiend Hunter or a lot of those creatures do, which is obviously a creature. You're like, Deputy was still non-land permanent. It's just the difference between that and this is so drastic. That's the, right? That's, you. you mm-hmm. we always would talk about, like, treasured find versus, like, eternal witness. And, like, they're kind of doing a similar thing. One's cheaper than the other, but like no one's ever going to play treasured fine in modern, but eternal right. witness is one of the most played cards ever. You know, there's just something right. about right. that one text or whatever that pushes it over. So anyway, I, I apologize. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say too, like, I think, uh, you know, creature decks in modern have, have like been getting more and more powerful. Obviously, um, you know, creatures keep getting pushed. Uh, that's just a thing that's happening in magic. Um, like it or hate it, whatever it's happening. Uh, and I think this also really pushes creatures that creature decks even more, uh, because the answers that people used to have for creature decks, uh, you know, like Tron is going to bring in their, their bridges, um, you know, or, or whatever, like those answers no longer work because those answers are permanents that I can just eat. And maybe you get rid of my, you know, my spirit, uh, but that's fine. Your, your bridge is gone and I can attack now. Um, so I think, I think that's been huge for, for making this card, uh, big as well is because, it just lets your creature deck do what it wants to do uninterrupted uh, at a pretty good rate. So I, I think, yeah, yeah I, I think something also that's interesting is metagame, right? Like the, mm. it just happens that right now of the top eight, three of the decks are decks that really, really, really like ETBs or three mana creatures mm-hmm. that uh, you can fill your deck that have ad- advantages to like, Uro Omnath is a deck about blinking creatures, and this is a creature that wants right. to get blinked. Heliod Company is a deck that wants to be able to play collected companies at instant speed and get creatures that are able to be used as answers. The way that Spirits used to use Spell Quellers with Collected Company. And Eldorami's right. Toolbox wants creatures that are good in different situations and are versatile. And this... <laughs> and this mention it, it's around the Indestructible Clause, too. With, yeah, right? Yeah. With Heliod, and, 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 and it's good against mm-hmm. a fairy, and it's good. Like, all of these things have these things that this card is good against. And so it's not surprising to me. Dried of the Elysian Glo- Grove, even, right? Like, you have these key pieces right. that you want to have the answer that it answers and then also all of these decks are taking advantage of it in a way and then like if you even look at what it's good against like Rakdos Death Shadow I said this card just houses Death Shadow because you're eating they're yeah. getting a 1-1 one, one for one if they can get rid of this and their entire deck is about making that one mana card into a 13-13 and like yeah so it's it's, it's really interesting how 
it's just so well positioned against what the metadata is looking like and what powerful cards wizards have printed. And, and, and part of the reasons I did want to talk about it is like you mentioned this earlier, a white card is the best creature in modern. And like people kind of talk about where white's position is. And I think that there has been a lot of work that is kind of not fairly talked about since last fall that white has just gotten much better under the radar. And in, in reverse of that, there is an unfair statement that white's power level in 60 card magic is uh, not attached to white's power level in 100 card magic. And and in, by that, I mean, like. One of the reasons white was so bad last November, like in every format kind of across the board at the time, was because two years before that, white was the best color in magic in every 60 card format because they printed Gideon, the format right. of Gideon that just was like this is better than everything else in every format. <laughs> and so be- Wizards reacts as on a pendulum. So they're like, oh, okay, don't make any good white cards. We have to make the other colors better. But at the time, Commander was like, hey, white's bad still here. Uh, that didn't, but now you're making bad white cards where all the other colors are getting so powerful that are like, that. that's an entirely different issue that we're facing. And white just didn't get any love. But I think that between Heliod, between... Uh, Skyclave apparition that there's just a lot of cool stuff happening in white and 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 wanted to put a focus on it. I think what I wanted to throw in on it as well is like you know there's there's something like thirteen thousand unique cards available in modern or more than that now. I think um, it's such an enormous format that if you're trying to prepare for, I mean if you're playing at a GP or a Magic Fest when they come back, or you're playing in like a you know an event on Moto where you know it's going to be like mostly people playing the top cards, that's one thing. But if you're going to your local shop or, or you're just going blind into a field and you don't know what you're going to go up against, the idea that all of these problem permanents, the ones you guys were mentioning, like ensnaring bridges and, and you know cards like Ghostly Prison that make it really Blood Moon, these are cards that are difficult to deal with. The fact that you have a card that deals with not only their best creature, but those cards and Planeswalkers that are hard to deal with all together, like, I think the idea that it answers so many different things all at once and, and handles so many different places that you aren't anticipating, like... What if you end up going against that deck I'm talking about that I, I built with doubling season and a bunch of four mana planeswalkers and you just aren't equipped to deal with a bunch of four mana planeswalkers in your main deck and you have this card like it gets the job done in a way that very, very few others are able to as consistently as it. So it makes sense to me, but it's funny, Alex, that you and I kind of missed it a little bit in our in our estimation of it. We like definitely thought it was good, but we didn't think it was like this, obviously. <laughs> I think part of its appeal, too, is that uh, it, it's it's great uh in in the fair matchup right like you can play this on turn three after you've dropped your third land uh as a totally fair magic card and it's good like it it will probably get rid of something that you wanted to get rid of and it's just good uh but then you start doing things like the euro deck's doing or like death and taxes is going to do with it or you know even uh collective company is going to do with it you start playing at instant speed you start playing it out of ether vial you start blinking it uh in response to its own trigger uh now that's where this card just starts to go kind of crazy, and you get to get to do all these cool things with it that uh, that don't feel as fair. Uh, you know, when you get to when you get to exile three things at a time, um, you know, and they're all gone forever. Uh, that just that's a really good feeling, and does not feel fair to your opponent, I'm sure. So, so I have I have a question uh, for the class. Um, I'm a teacher now, I guess. <laughs> uh, is if they printed the 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 drawback on this ability uh on one white instant you make exile creature they get a xx token equal to their converted mana cost is that more 
where does that fall on the path to exile swords of plowshare uh is it just spectrum here? yes yeah yeah it's 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 a, it's meant to compete with path to exile and 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 swords of plowshare but it has the drawback of making this creature um yeah, that's the question. I'm gonna each of you take a turn. Caleb, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going I think clockwise. That might <laughs> see play in uh, in like your sideboard as you know, Path to Exile five and six. If that's what your deck wanted or needed, uh, I don't think that replaces Path to Exile, especially because you said it was two mana. Yeah, like one. No, no, one, one, one mana. It's a, it, it's oh, it one is mana. it is Path to Exile slash Swords of Player Share, but instead of them getting a land or getting life, mm. they get an XX creature equal to converted mana cost. Okay, I still think I run path over that um, because sometimes you don't have a basic land or sometimes I don't care if you go get a basic land. I just needed to not get hit by Death Shadow for 20 damage. Um, you know, so I think I think I still play... I, I, I still think it's path five and six in the sideboard, maybe. Well, I also think they get they get the creature once they get rid of Skyclit. Or, yeah, once they get rid of it. So I think right. the thing we would have to, like... Maybe this would be like a zero one creature, Alex, that only targeted creatures and it could only play it like sorcery speed as opposed to an instant. No, no, where I'm, like I'm, it exiles I'm, the creature. I'm not, I'm not necessarily trying to compare apparition to this. I'm saying specifically this card as a different drawback for a path variant to be printed. Is this better or worse than path and art swords? I think it depends on the metagame. So if you look at now, like is path really great? You have so many ramp decks. You have Yorion, you have like the Titan decks that want land. So if you're progressing that kind of game plan for your opponent, probably going to be better in the certain meta game because like oust and condemn exist, right? Are we playing them? No, but, but, like but we're playing. Are, they, are, they are. I think both of those are ostensibly worse. I right? like condemn requires a creature to attack. So it's not as versatile answering threats that don't need to attack and condemn also needs that, but also puts it somewhere in their deck. Oust. Yeah. Oust, they oust, get it. oust, it's third yeah, from the yeah. top. I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, like I said, I think it would just depend on the metagame and then it depends because is it better to use that card later on in the game when like, you know, a CMC of six is swinging at most, like Caleb said earlier, like most things are pretty cheap and modern. So at most are you probably going to get what three threes, one ones, like if that's the case. So maybe it is better than what it feels like to me is honestly, if I think about exactly the card you're talking about, Alex, that. So what are the situations when you when you want to path something that you don't actually want to path something? And it's usually that you don't want to path a bird or a mana creature because like you're basically just ramping them, which is always a bummer. So like it's kind of bad there. So, OK, I'd rather give you like a one one in place of your bird for one. I'm totally happy doing that. But like mid game or late game often, sometimes it's to stop a combo. But if it's just trying to not die to like a creature that has power, I guess turning like a Tarmogoyf, like a five, six into a two, two is pretty good. But I also feel like if you're afraid of dying, then them having a creature is kind of bad for you. And most of the time, mm-hmm. I'd rather my opponent just has a basic. I just don't. Sometimes it matters, but often it doesn't. I'm, I think I'm with yeah. Kyle. I, I think I think it's I think it's better than path. I think it is metagame dependent. I think, yes, like I think there's one point in the game where it's bad. But often that point in the game is also the point in the game where you dealing with a token is more feasible, especially like if you're a blue eye control deck, you have a Teferi there that now makes that token just not exist. These are decks that like. Like, because I, I think this card's drawback is comparable to Bird's Song. Bird Song. It's called Bird Song, right? Bird Song. Swan Which one? Swan Song. Swan Song. Swan Song. Oh, the two two flyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The two two flyer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like it exists. This this card's real. Uh, it's just it's a swan and not a bird. It's a better bird. Um, the so I, I think like I think it's fair to print. 
I think like I think it's an interesting yeah. card the, the, to to be printed. I think it's like if Wizards wanted to print Path to Exile into historic or standard, it would be the card that maybe I would look at based especially on how much Apparition is seeing play in a fair way. Um because I think that in modern, you run into the problem that the decks that want you dead, the cards that they're attacking you with are often things that are small CMC, but get big somehow, either th- with white through equipment, which this would maybe be bad against, but mono red aggro, which like, who cares if you exile their, their Swiss spirits now a one, one, I would, I would much rather face a one, one for without than, prowess, without prowess than, yeah. than, than, than Swiss spear I- against death shadow, turning their death shadow into a one, one, right? Like kind of the things we talked about. Even turning, yeah, like Heliod, if it turns into a creature, into a 3-3, like there, there are things that it's good against. And sometimes you'll get blown out. And I, I do think it is metagame dependent. I think Kyle uh, was right there where like, but right now, pathing someone in Ur- against Uro is real bad for me. So bad. <laughs> uh, pathing something against like one of these, uh, an Eldorami's toolbox deck that I'm looking at, like is bad. The field of the dead is one turn closer to murdering me versus giving them a two, two token. Like they'll have two, two tokens. Eventually I'm dead <laughs> regardless of those. So I think, I think on that note though, just to, just to throw like the, the, the monkey wrench on the other side, because I think I, I think I hear what you guys are arguing. I think it actually makes a pretty good sense that like the, most of the things in modern, the common things, it actually is a pretty solid card against. And some things like a primeval Titan, it's like, well, they have to have gotten the mana to get a primeval Titan anyway, but I still could think of like, exiling your prime time exiling your worm coil exiling your like germag angler or like there's a lot of creatures where i'm like that would suck like i want my path to exile that's in my hand to feel like it's like saving the day i don't want to turn your four four omnath that's a problem for me into a four four sure. like i don't want to just ha- have to deal with a four four now like this is supposed to save the day for me and, and I think, make you have more gas i, I do think we're yeah. talking a thought sees inquisition or kozilek situation where it's like yeah, yeah which yeah, one yeah, of yeah. these is better and it it's, it's so different depending on who you're playing against that i would probably find myself playing a three two split a lot of the time i don't think either of them are better i think swords of plashers is still better like that's that's the one card yeah. i do think just like doesn't replace either of these can compete with but i do think right. that the maybe there's a white ag no yeah it doesn't because it, it's it's drawback <laughs> is like getting someone if you're an aggro deck that's trying to use this to remove it out of the way path is better than the life gain than and this because you don't get they don't get a blocker so yeah i think right. i think that the like yes Gurmag angler is bad but i'd i'd much rather face a six six token than a primeval titan forever every day for the rest of my life we're just talking about a 2020 for four this is a six six for six that i'd much rather face <laughs> as a token <laughs> but it costs but it, but it costs you a card though it costs you a card i would much um, rather face a six six that made me discard three cards out of my hand when it entered the battlefield for six than a primeval titan i would rather face a six six that entered the battlefield and made me discard my hand and let me not draw a card on my next turn than by some face a primeval titan <laughs> I think, I think, uh, I don't know. I'm thinking of it, it, just trying to think of it in the different situations. Um, like if I'm behind, uh, on damage, like, uh, you've been hitting me with, with your big creatures or whatever. And, and this comes up, um, I don't want that. Like, I, I don't want you to have another creature that you can continue to attack me with. Uh, and I'm thinking right. kind of the same way where like, if, if I'm the attacker, if I'm the aggressor and you suddenly put down a blocker and I have this, you still have a blocker. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a less good blocker now. Um, but like, I still can't get in because, you know, because I'm giving you this token. Um, yeah, but then you I just think... play Skyclave Apparition. And <laughs> you can't get rid of the tokens with Apparition. Trust me, I think <laughs> the creature aspect is definitely one that I, I was definitely pretty familiar with. So I guess my question to wrap back around, or at least the thing, my final question on this topic is often when something becomes the most played card or is the card for a while there, the ban conversation starts immediately and everybody wants to ask, is it too good? Is it too good? So 
what's your guys' opinion on apparition? I mean, I'm not asking if we should ban it. I'm just asking where does it feel for you in terms of like, is it ubiquitous because it's good or is it ubiquitous because it's broken? Like, you know, Oko is broken. I think it's ubiquitous because it's good. It feels like a fair mm-hmm. card. Having mm-hmm. double white in the pips, like also, like, I think that's the balance. It feels like it's costed really well. And having it be a 2-2 so it dies to bolt, like, it just feels like a clean answer to a diverse uh, sweeper of threats. So it's yeah. nice to have that. And, you know, with white kind of being always the sideboard, it's nice to have, like, a main board answer that you mm-hmm. can slot in and not mm-hmm. feel bad about. Yeah, I think, I think cool. it, yeah, I think overall it's a, it's a very fair card. Most of the time it's going to be used fairly. Like I said, most people are going to play it on turn three, and it's going to get rid of the one thing, and then you're going to bolt it, and that's going to be the end of it. Um, it's not a game-winning card. I mean, not in like the traditional sense. Like, it's not a combo piece. Um, you know, you're not getting, you're not winning most of the time by attacking in with apparitions. Um, you know, it's just it's getting it's a it's an answer piece. It's a sideboard piece. I think also um, like albino ape, where you're able to exile it and make one white mana. <laughs> I think I think like it's it's interesting that it also like the answer to this card is to play Gurmag Angler and removal mm-hmm. right like like if this card is like honestly if i'm playing death shadow i would really look at figuring out can i get gurmag ringers back into this instead of uh right. a yeah. play evaporation yeah. because like like well, tron or, or tron, tron yeah tron or 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 just like play jund and just be like blood braid elf is a f- if you want to get rid of this it's a four four now to your thing I, would, I guess it could just block but like uh I, yeah i guess there's like you just play thicker creatures <laughs> yeah <laughs> is, is kind of the answer um so I guess I guess as the last question, because I, I think we are running out of time and we also kept you here late because we started late um, is and it's a, a carry from Ben's question is, is there a card that you right now think is problematic in modern? Like, is, is there a ban worthy card or do you think the format has kind of gone to a really healthy position? Where do we stand uh, on Field of the Dead? Because I hate that card <laughs> so much. <laughs> uh, that card for me yeah. is like just super frustrating because you have to have very specific tech to interact with lands and if you're not fast enough that feels like a problematic card um, yeah especially since they printed dryad of elysian grove and all these mm-hmm. other things mm-hmm. that's my like kind of most hated card right now in modern so i i hate to shout ban i don't you know like i, I think generally we, we should avoid bans whenever we can but uh having said that like i'm looking at this meta page and titan is in three of the top 10 decks uh as like a major um and i think that's that's definitely a thing that's maybe not great for modern um there's just so many different things you can do with it um and obviously with uro and omnath and uh, the dryad like kyle said and then fields of the dead like uh that is just such a powerful piece it just feels like anytime someone lands a titan the game is the game is over like they you 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 should scoop and and move on um it's 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 up there along with like grape shot and um a few other cards of like this card has gotten more cards banned by being next to it in a deck than any other like most other cards in the format or it's not necessary like it always dodges it but something else gets taken out um and grape shot just storm insert whatever you want your storm i think grape shot's the problem personally uh but um (laughs) and and I think I think one thing that is interesting is and, and it kind of and kind of like if you get rid of Field of the Dead, it's a similar conversation, right? Is like right. Primeval Ten or Field of the Dead. I think Field of the Dead is the bigger issue between the two, just from a. And we removal. saw what it did standard. Yeah, well, and removal doesn't work yeah. anymore mm-hmm. for lands, right? They don't print right. the right stuff, and they just printed something that was really good, and even then, it's not doing anything because it's just like they're such hard to deal with permanent types. But um, it's interesting to me that like what I would just looking at these lists point out is like the unfun bad guys of the last. 2019 to 2020 period like 
are still look like they kind of are issues, right? Like you have Uro, you have Field of the Dead, you have um, Omnath is obviously doing things powerful. I think it's probably fine. But like those two cards to me are the ones that see like, okay, is this, are these just like things or and Teferi, three mana Teferi are just like these mm. things that are like, bad in different ways like teferi is not a good is not too good for the format but i think it is just a miserable gameplay experience and just Mm -hmm. is always going to be that and you're either stuck with it or they're going to print more cards like apparition that are good against it to the point that it's no longer seeing play and like right and just like going through the list it's interesting how just like i wish 2019 (laughs) didn't happen in magic (laughs) in some ways i know so much powerful stuff you know you know alex now that we've now that we've kind of opened up the the channel the mm cast and we do a lot more stuff now that's uh cross format i wonder if it'd be fun at some point for us to try to figure out what are the top 25 magic cards ever like all time and i do wonder is primeval titan a clear clear top 25 card ever yes we just i, I don't i'm not uh, it is card yeah, ever card ever is harder sorry not I, even in modern i'm saying card ever in magic and, and i think you could say the moxin the originals they're all one like i think you could say like fetch lands are one dual lands are one i think you know, that's that sort I of think thing top 25 cards of all time primeval titan to me wouldn't make it i think t- primeval titan uh, i could argue right? pretty so comfortably good. that primeval like titan is the best <laughs> creature card ever printed hmm be an interesting it'd be an interesting conversation to have and i'm wondering would primeval make it like it, it's such a uniquely powerful card like as you were just saying it enables so many decks in a way that mm-hmm. almost no other card ever has i'm curious to know it'd be a fun it'd be a fun conversation now we should not do it now but it's maybe yeah, yeah. something we should consider doing They're like does a creature <laughs> make it into the top 25 magic cards of all time and that's like the thing that i'm questioning it's pretty busted man i mean they're, they're like i think you have there's a handful i think like that card i think you know snapcaster is somewhere it's probably not top 25 but it's in that same conversation with it i think there's a few there's a few yeah, yeah it's a fun sure. conversation we should we should do it on another episode so so <laughs> so uh to wrap up thank you guys so much for joining uh once one, yeah. one last time please uh let the internet know or I, I can do it i have the whole thing written out in front of me so i can go through it quickly uh <laughs> you are kyle and caleb at, at mr kai guy uh am and it's and it's here somewhere and there's links everywhere. But uh, Mr. spelled the way you normally would spell it. K-Y-G-U-Y uh, and at Spiny Mouse spelled M-A-U-S. Uh, and thank you guys for joining. Uh, you guys both host the High Ground MTG YouTube channel. Uh, also links below and hopefully on screen. <laughs> and um, your Twitter for there is at High Ground MTG. Uh, so everyone, please check out their content. It's really great. They do a bunch of command or modern gameplay. We've we do commander <laughs> gameplay. <laughs> they do a bunch of modern gameplay. Uh, definitely check their channel out. Um, and uh, if you're watching right now, please like and subscribe. If this is the first time you've checked out this channel, if you are checking out their channel, definitely also like and subscribe. Just like go down and like every video. You don't even have to watch it. <laughs> we're, we're five subscribers away from 200. Help us get there. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. um, and then uh, beyond that, we do uh, the podcast comes out every Monday and we now record, do a live stream of our commander gameplay, 730 p.m. PSD every Monday evening. Uh, definitely make sure to check that out both on YouTube and Twitch, twitch.tv slash Kessweiler, youtube.com slash the MMCast. Uh, we are trying new things out where how video content is being released. Last uh, episode when we did our uh, companion review, we released every color separately in five videos. In this episode, I think we are going to release these into multiple little chunks. So um, I'm definitely going to 
see how that works and <laughs> let us know what you think. If we're doing that and you're watching videos now, let us know if you like the more consistent content release that are shorter or you want longer ones, or just go listen to the podcast, the whole thing, or go listen to the podcast. It's, it's also all, good. It's it's all also there good, one yeah. big chunk or check out our Patreon where there's the raw feed. Today we talked about fantasy football uh, with our guests. <laughs> Lois can't win. Ben, we can't let Lois win. I don't need. I don't need. I don't need that. I don't need. I don't. I don't need a a, a dynasty in this in this business. Um, thank you again, guests. Uh, thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Caleb. Uh, anything you guys want to say before we sign off? Uh, thank you for having us. Appreciate yeah, this was great, yeah. and uh, we're really excited to do it. So, Absolutely. Thank you. Super thank you hyped. guys for doing it. We appreciate you coming. This was really fun. To talk about modern. Great. Bye, everyone listening and watching. And, Bye, guys. and whatever other senses touching. No, that's weird.